Hello, Pinkers. I'm Mike Levy, and today we've got a bit of a bonus Pink Pod. We're going to dive into a big review that Pink Bike editor Dan Roberts, he's been working on it for a while. Fox's all-new 38 versus RockShox's equally all-new Zeb. And in case you missed it, both of these are long-travel single-crown forks with huge 38-millimeter diameter upper tubes. So I've got the man himself here, Dan Roberts, who's ridden the shit out of both the 38 and the Zeb, as well as Mike Casimer, who's also put in a bunch of time on both of these forks. I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at both of them, and then we're going to boil it down to the strengths and weaknesses of each fork. But first, Dan, you are a relatively new addition to Pink Bike, and you're also literally an engineer, not even an armchair one, but a real one, who's also pretty damn fast on a bike. Uh, where did you do your testing of these two forks? And maybe just give me a brief breakdown of, of what that was. Was it back-to-back testing? And what sort of terrain were you riding these forks on? Yeah, uh, we well, I live in the Valley region of Switzerland. So it's a pretty, uh, even amongst Switzerland, it's renowned as a really good riding region. And Basically, I live in Chambry. So behind the house is one of the toughest World Cup tracks probably of recent memories i've heard uh, it's a little steep <laughs> it can be in, in places yeah uh I, I with an upcoming downhill bike test i actually looked at the gradient and it was like minus 35 percent uh average with some pitches that were like minus 50 percent or something it's yes pretty sustained steep so that's while it is uh one of the testing places i test at a lot it of course is a bit of an extreme um but around the corner, we have another place called Mojan. It's another bike park that actually was conceived by the builders to test bikes to their limits, really. There's lots of unweighting, weighting of like the ground coming up at you and you falling onto the bike. There's roots, rocks. It's a good test. And then we've got a lot of natural, more or less uh, man-made trails around the area that are either accessible by pedaling or by a funicular kind of little cog trains that take you up to the top of the mountain. So... But even in our little valley and across the other side of the valley, we've got a drastic difference in terrain as well. And around the corner, we've got big differences in terrain as well, whether it be steep or flat or rockier or loamier and stuff like that. And yeah, I even took the things on holiday. So when I went on a bit of a road trip through the east side of Switzerland, through the Graubünden region and through into like Russian in Italy and down to the Dolomites, uh, I took both forks with me as well. So yeah. On the same bike, they got a lot of back-to-back-to-back. And that's probably one thing I need to point out is many commenters were concerned that in the video there was two different bikes. Um, That was just for filming purposes to make it a bit more efficient, a bit easier on the day to get all the filming done. The majority, actually pretty much all of the testing was done on the same same bike and just swapping the fork backwards and forwards. Which bike was that, Dan? Uh, Raw Madonna V2. Okay, all right. And that was, I mean, how long did you have these two forks for before that review went live? Was it six months or something? Probably longer than my bosses would have liked, but... Uh, <laughs> it's always longer than my <laughs> bikes. <laughs> no, uh, yes, I'd say six months, yeah. Six months of going backwards and forwards, and then even close to the end of testing, if you will, the new Nuke-Proof Mega arrived with a 38 on the front of it, so yeah. there was a little bit more time in on, this, on the 38 there as well, so... But that's right. why and I got to use the 38 on the Mega as a good uh, help for test uh, for filming. Sorry. Nice. Okay. And Casimir, you've ridden the 38 in the Zeb as well in Bellingham. Uh, what 
bike or bikes did you test these forks on? And what sort of terrain were these forks being pointed down? Yeah, they've seen, they've been on a bunch of bikes. Um, also, just because I've been testing a bunch of longer travel bikes this year. So, uh, as far as they started out on a privateer, I had that privateer 161 kind of earlier in the summer. So, that bike I did some back to back with the 38 and the Zeb. Um, and that was around Bellingham. I went to Idaho with a trip of that too, the, um, Silver Mountain in Idaho. And then since then, they've been more on the Cavins uh, VHP 16. I've been doing some, again, some back to back on that one. And then as far as test bikes go, really all those bikes that we had for that um, kind of the enduro free ride field test that we did. So the Rocky Mountain Altitude had the 38 on it. The Slash had a Zeb on it. Propane had a 38 on it. I've got the new Nuke Proof Giga with a 38 on it. Um, the Shore had a 38 on it. And all the bikes. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot. So either way, most of the bikes I've been riding for the, the last six months have either had a 38 or a Zeb on it. So yeah, pretty familiar with both. And I'm, I'm actually pretty stoked to have both of you guys on this podcast to talk about these two forks because, Dan, you rode essentially the same two forks, the same 38 and same Zeb for your review, where Casimir, it sounds like you rode a bunch of different Zebs and 38s. Um, so possibly some different perspectives there, which will be will be interesting. Yep. And I do have a, I'll, I'll say I do have a set of basically I have a test 38 and a test Zeb and that's been moving around on bikes. But then, yeah, those other, a lot of the other bikes have just been stock with one that comes on it. So yeah, I've kind of okay. been doing both. Yeah. And okay. then, uh, and as far as terrain, I don't live near Champry, which if anyone needs to get, wants to get jealous about where they live, you just do Google street view of Champry and it's insane. I don't think I've ever seen a better Google street view. It's so ridiculous, but really, uh, I need to go do that. Yeah. Check it out. You'll be Dan, Glad just go out there. your front door. You don't <laughs> yeah, even need to look at Google Street View. <laughs> oh, I have to stay inside. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Dan, stay <laughs> inside. It's <laughs> uh, more because yeah, so my hermit, but anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's nighttime. But, uh, yeah, my testing took place around Bellingham, so our trails aren't quite as high speed, I would say, as some of the stuff that Dan has, but we've got plenty of rocky options, um, smoother options as well, usually wet, lots of roots, so pretty good mixed terrain, uh, plenty of trails that are suitable for this style of fork and the bike it would be on. Right. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do here after our intros is go over both forks and let's talk about the Fox 38 first. So the 38, obviously it has 38 millimeter upper tubes that where that is where it takes its name from and you can get it with 150 and up to 180 millimeters of travel and in both 27.5 and in 29 inch wheel sizes. 38 retails for 949 to 1199 American. And Dan, you tested the factory 29er version. So that's all the bells and whistles, all the Kashima, uh, the high end damper. And that weighed 5.42 pounds with an uncut steerer tube. I got a couple questions here for you, Dan. You talked about in your review the fork having an oval butted steerer tube. Can you explain to the listeners what exactly that is and what the idea is there? Yeah, if anyone's got a really old, well, they're not even old, but a Thompson seat post, like one of the nice elite seat posts, um, if you look up the inside of that, it's exactly the same idea. It's that the thickness of the tube isn't the same all the way around. So in the front of the tube and the back of the tube, it's thicker than on the sides, and that's to try and put more meat front and back where you've got some f pretty hefty flexing going on from what is a really long fork, like 29-inch wheels plus that travel. It's When I pulled the Zeb out of the box, it kept on coming. It's a long fork. There's a lot of leverage there, and they're aimed at like really hard riding, so there's a lot of force input into the bike. So that's one of the things Fox have employed to try and help to 
up the stiffness and potentially even help out with some creaky crowns there. Right, right. And that material, that extra material that's on the front and the back of the steer tube, that's mainly targeting fore and aft rigidity more than torsional rigidity, Dan. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd say it's got more of an effect here fore and aft. There is going to be a little bit of help with the torsional stuff because you've upped the amount of material basically in the whole tube. So it will help, but their main focus really was, yeah, that fore and aft. Right, right. Okay. Now there's something going on at the other end of the fork as well, a floating axle. Now, if I go way back, I feel like Fox has done floating axles before, haven't they? I'm hoarding two of the older 36s where you could swap the 15 and 20 mil axles and they had like punch belts on both sides. So yeah, they've done that on 36s a while ago. Uh, I mean, the 40s always had it. Right. So it's a pretty common thing. And what, what exactly happens there? When you, when you slide that axle in, what are you doing and why is Fox using a floating axle? More On the 38 and the new 36, it's more for aligning the legs than providing kind of a stiff connection, if you will, because they only have a pinch bot on one side. So the idea is that when you tighten the either QR lever axle up or you tighten the whole kind of cobalt axle up with a hex tool, you clamp the whole hub against the disc side leg. And then the non-disc side leg can kind of float a little bit backwards and forwards on the axle so it can find its basically path of least resistance. So rather than your legs kind of be all skewed at an angle and you're trying to compress through two stanchion legs that aren't parallel, you're going to have a lot of friction from that. So it's a very easy way to uh, drop the friction in the fork. Right. I think if we if we break down all the things that need to be aligned perfectly, think parts of the fork that are made separately and then get assembled together, everything from the lowers to the upper tubes and even the bushings and all that kind of stuff, alignment is a pretty tricky thing. And the idea here is to basically let all those things slide be more aligned and slide smoother, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Lots of talk of recent has been in suspension about friction uh, with special oils, special greases, special seals. And this is probably one of the bigger things that might account to friction and uh, the feel of your fork um, more than, say, a different seal. It's not my favorite feature on, though, on the Fox 38. The favorite feature of mine, it's the fart buttons. Casimir, what, can you explain the, the Fox Forks <laughs> fart buttons for me? Yeah, it's it's not, the technical, I know, not the technical term, but they probably should have made a clever acronym for that. So yeah, basically it's a little button on the back of each leg that allows you to to push it once in a while to relieve any pressure that might have built up, air pressure that have built up in the lower legs. Um, and that kind of happens just as the fork is compressing, it can kind of draw some air in there and you end up with air where it's basically where you don't want it to be. It's more pressure and it can make the fork feel little harsher than you'd want um so you push those buttons and it kind of helps relieve that pressure that could also change if you um say you went somewhere that's a different altitude um not something you need to do all the time but it's super simple to do and it helps prevent it means that you don't need to use a zip tie to put it in there to relieve any pressure so i've i've had a a few 38s here and i've pushed on those little buttons I've never heard them fart. Have you guys ever heard them make any noise they don't make a fart noise they do make an air hiss but you're just probably not riding hard enough Okay. <laughs> no, it takes a while. Like it's not every ride. I wouldn't say it depends in saying like, you know, temperature and uh, elevation, all that's going to have a, make a difference. But uh, 
yeah, I've had it. Sometimes it makes noise, sometimes it doesn't. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the 38 is also using a different air spring than other Fox forks. So, Dan, other Fox forks, basically the upper tube is the air cartridge, I guess you could say. It's just sealed in there. But that's not quite the case with this 38, is it? How, what's different and why? No, exactly. Uh, other Fox forks, like the 36, and as we'll get into the RockShox forks, yeah, they use the inner surface wall of the stanchion to uh, slide the piston up and down. But on the 38, Fox actually have an extra inner tube that goes inside the stanchion leg. Uh, and they've done that so that they can play around with different um, positive and volume, uh, sorry, positive to negative volume ratios. Um, and also they can up the amount of volume that that lower legs take up. And if you up the volume, you effectively make that spring uh, a little more linear. So it's going to have a less of an effect in the ramp up of the fork. So it sounds like they did that basically just to tune the airspring the way they wanted to. It wouldn't have, the airspring might not have had the characteristics they were looking for if they had just used the upper tube as that air cartridge, it sounds like. Exactly, yeah. Right. So let's let's get real dorky. The Grip 2 damper inside of this thing uses something called a VVC system. Dan, what the hell is VVC? First and foremost, marketed. No, um, <laughs> no, it's, it's an acronym. Come on, not whatever. Uh, no, actually, if you've ever stripped the the cartridge down, or if you've had a look inside the shocks by any chance, you just see it's a it's a method of controlling high speed compression or rebound. Um, lots of suspension items don't have that externally adjustable, so this is Fox's way of having an external adjustment for high speed damping. And um, what it is, is actually quite clever that instead of either preloading a, a shim stack with a spring or, or something like that, they actually have a, it's like a little propeller shaped piece of metal that turns as you turn the adjuster and it turns around an almost spiral ridge in the valve. And that physically changes the the kind of stiffness of the whole shim stack because you physically change like the the pivot point of where this little metal piece flexes. The fulcrum, almost, you could say. Exactly, Mike. Not even exactly. almost. You could say the fulcrum, <laughs> You literally. could call it the fulcrum, yeah. We should call the way, it the fulcrum because you want to get yeah. picky. Yeah, the way you, that I'm picturing this in my head, Dan, is sort of, I always picture a big fence post and a small fence post. And I'm holding a Frisbee. I put the Frisbee over the small fence post with the, fri- with the post right in the middle. I push down on the Frisbee. Frisbee is real flexible, right? But if I take that same frisbee and I put it put it on top of a bigger diameter fence post and try to push down on it, the frisbee doesn't flex as much. For sure, that's a pretty good analogy, actually. Yeah, I think someone from Fox told me that. It's way too clever for me <laughs> to come it, up with on my own. It's pretty good. Yeah, you're still your your shim stacks are the same, so your frisbee is the same. The force, if you will, your like arms pushing on the frisbee is the same, but the point at which you're flexing it around has changed, and so overall the the effect is going to be very different. Right. As far as adjustments go, that Grip 2 damper is giving us low-speed compression, high-speed compression, low-speed rebound, and high-speed rebound. Um, I did some interesting back-to-back stuff with Fox when this Grip 2 damper first came out, and we were playing with the adjustable high-speed rebound in the Whistler Bike Park, and the conclusion that I came away from came away with was that the fork 
rode higher in its travel thanks to that adjustable high-speed rebound, basically. Would you would you agree, or am I totally out to lunch there? Uh, oh, it's always tough, and actually it's been a really tough uh, bunch of comments trying to... Uh, when people talk about their setup, it's often you need to know about how they ride and how what the terrains and also what preference they've got in sort of setup. So yeah, diagnosing stuff like that and, and making comments on it is pretty hard when you haven't got all the information, but it's whether it rides higher or lower, um, potentially in your situation, yeah, it could have worked, but it's, it's out for debate at the moment. It's out for debate. The, uh, when I speak to some um, guys from other suspension manufacturers um who aren't doing adjustable high-speed circuits for example they have a high-speed circuit internally that's handling the high-speed rebound or high-speed compression even but um they don't have external adjusters um they often say that adding something like a high-speed rebound adjuster is a pain in the ass Mm -hmm. and this could actually be something that fox has been adding i'm going out on a limit uh, this is something that Fox has added to cater to their, their demands from the public is to have more adjustability, to have more bells and whistles and stuff, whereas necessarily you might not need it. Yeah, the packaging of this stuff is pretty tricky too. I've been inside these VVC shocks and to get this stuff in there, they basically had to come up with that VVC system, the whole, the whole fence post analogy system. Yeah, it's a real smart system, though. You can't take it away. It's a smart system. And whether you should have high-speed rebound adjusters or not externally available is is opinionated at best. So Right. Yeah, I think you mentioned, you touched on one thing there, Dan. Just because your fork doesn't have a high-speed rebound adjuster doesn't mean that it doesn't have high-speed rebound control, no, of totally. course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Right. Usually, like even on the basic forks, lots of the same uh, control, whether it be low speed or high speed um, damping, is dealt with internally. It's just whether or not you've got an external adjuster to change right. the feel of it. All right. So let's get on to the Zeb next. So the Zeb can be had in 150 to 190 millimeters of travel. That's 10 millimeters more than the 38. And of course, in both 27.5 or 29 inch wheel sizes, Pricing, $699 USD to $999 USD. And Dan, you tested the 29-inch Zeb Ultimate 180, and that fork weighed 5.01 pounds with an uncut steer tube. Just to confuse people, that makes it 184 grams less than the 38, if you're only looking at numbers, which you, you definitely shouldn't. So the Zeb is a little bit lighter and a little bit less expensive. There are some big differences between the two forks. I mean, they both use the same upper tube size. But besides that, uh, let's look at the chassis first. The RockShox fork, it's using a more traditional round steerer tube and a traditional fork axle, but it also has something called torque caps, Casimir. What are torque caps? Why do they maybe make sense? Yeah, they actually do make a lot of sense, but you just don't see them uh, implemented all the time. So basically torque caps go on your hub. So where you have your um, your end caps on your hub, you know, normally they're these days at pretty much everything except for downhill uh, bikes has a 15 millimeter through axle. Well, this still has a 15 millimeter through axle, but it's an oversized cap on the outside. So that gives it more surface area to go against the lowers of your fork, um, which should help improve some of the stiffness. And that's why if you look at the dropouts of the rock shocks, uh, fork, there's like a little bit more more material removed there. So those torque caps are supposed to sit right in there. Um, 
just for additional stiffness. But you can still use it without torque caps. But if you do that, when you do go to put the wheel on, you kind of have to wiggle a little bit to get that axle to slide in nicely, um, just to get everything lined up. So um, if you if that torque caps are available and you have a RockShox fork, I would say that they're the way to go. But again, not everything comes with them, and sometimes they don't go with all hubs. And um, it's a cool thing; it just hasn't been implemented across the board yet. Didn't Specialized do something like this a long time ago? Basically the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same definitely thing? they did. I can't remember what they called it. Probably ground control or something like that. But torque, yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, it's been used. Uh, the the theory has been used in the past, and it does work. It's just uh, whether other people adopt it. Kaz, are all heavy hitting rock shocks forks like the Zeb, the Pike, the Lyric? Are they all torque cap compatible? I don't think I've. I mean, I maybe had one test bike in the last year that had torque caps on the front wheel. Yeah, they're all torque cap compatible. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, it's rare. I know Santa Cruz has had some complete bikes come with torque caps, um, yeah. but there's not that many. So hopefully, we. I mean, I get it also because if you did have a, say you had a bike with a torque cap wheel and you decided to switch the fork and you had those end caps on there and put a Fox fork on if you wanted, then though, then you would need different end caps. So that's where the compatibility issue comes. It makes it easier if you don't go with torque cap for in the future. Okay, so the Zeb is also using a debonair spring. Dan, this is something that we've seen a lot of. Is there anything different when it comes to the Zeb's debonair spring, or is this basically an upsized version of what's used on the Lyric? Simply put, yeah. It's when you look at the size of the stanchions on the Zeb, that is also reflected this up size of the, the main air piston as well, yeah. They do have a few different uh, parts, if you will, to accommodate for that and also define uh the transfer point between the positive and negative chambers but it's uh, if you've taken a uh, a lyric or a pike apart it's real familiar real familiar right and again both of these forks they're using some sort of volume reducing tokens that you could put in to make them ramp up a lot quicker yeah both use little plastic tokens in the case of the 38 it's like snap-in tokens so there's no tools required on the zeb they are they all screw together and screw into the top cap and then you can kind of snug them up with an eight mil allen key so just make sure they don't rattle loose inside your fork i've be had good. that before oh it's really horrible. i was about to make fun <laughs> no yeah they can you, you need to. it it took a long time it well it felt like a long time of trying to figure out what the hell it was like you could be out in the middle of the woods and all of a sudden you've got this rattle coming from your bike that you have never heard before. And it's took a bit of, bit of time, but yeah, it was a token had come undone. <laughs> all right. Like the ball bearing and the seat tube trick. You can just lose yeah. it token. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've always been involved. fond of the hot dog in the seat tube. I, that's more of yeah. a long-term game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the guys at Scott, they went on a, a skiing trip to like some weird Finnish island and came back with some crazy, crazy like... Uh, norwegian oh god knows it was like this cured fish and the guys yeah it was gnarly and they stuffed it in their friend's tubeless tire so it sat there for so long and it was that was a long game one until he opened it up and it nearly like the smell nearly knocked him off his feet (laughs) yes we should do a best bike pranks podcast at some point yeah yeah we've all worked in shops enough to have some good ones (laughs) i can't share most of my stories not good (laughs) okay back to forks though uh, the damper on the Zeb, on the Ultimate, that uses their Charger 2.1. Dan, that's a sealed damper cartridge that we're all pretty familiar with. We've been pretty impressed with over the past few years. What sort of adjustments are we looking at? Yeah, like you said, it's familiar. It's 
it kind of goes with the theme of the Zeb. Everything's just the same as before and like on a lyrical pack, just upscaled. But that's got high and low speed compression and low speed rebound adjustments external. It's obviously got some control internally for the high speed rebound. Right. But you've only got low speed on the outside. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with setup first. You took both of these forks out of the box. Which one was which one was smoother right away? Wow, that's... What, you mean when they're on a bike or when you give them a push with your hands in the living room? No, no, put, you put them on a bike. Does one feel like more broken in right out of the box? Is that is that a fair question? For me, I think, Kazuma, you've had more experiences with more forks here. But for me, no. One didn't stick its head out as being more supple out of the box when you pushed on it. They were both incredibly supple once they were like got roughly the, the right amount of air in them. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. It's it kind of seems like it was almost a back in the day thing where you get your fork and it would take a few rides before it really started feeling like it broke in, you know. But I'd say these days, out of the box, most forks don't really feel like they need a, a big break in period. You know, they they're pretty good about getting rid of the anything being overly tight to begin with. It's interesting as well. One thing I noticed in the comments though, and maybe it's not something you should always check, but it was a comment that. Uh, some people had experienced, for example, um, excessive grease, for example, in the uh, air springs of like their fork. And that grease was like all around the piston on the positive side, on the negative side and clogging up the transfer ports and, and actually changing the volumes of those uh, chambers and actually changing the fork feel. So while I haven't experienced that, I'll be honest, at all, it has been commented about that that can be a problem with excessive grease from from the factory and assembly so yeah i have actually seen that before um i think from both manufacturers but on a, more recently i think it was on a rock shocks fork where the grease kind of plugged the negative port and it can make it want to suck down a little bit so um if you don't have any i mean there are people that are going to pull their fork apart right away and just go over everything but i would say ride it if it feels like everything's working fine you won't need to worry about it initially but if something seems a little off that could be a good tactic just to check especially the air spring they just like to glob that air spring in like the most grease ever and just shove it back up in there which can make a difference so. uh dan in your review you talk about sag when setting the fork up how helpful are those sag indicators on the zeb's legs and is someone personally so I, I I I listened to your review. You talked about sag was set up, but I don't think I've I set up forks with sag anymore. Is that something that you still do? And were those sanctioned tube marks helpful on the Zeb? Um, I should point out that sag isn't the be all and end all in suspension. Be that at the beginning, during, and at the end, <laughs> um, it is a good tool for starters. But these suspension manufacturers now. Um, do put out pretty, well, we'll go into that later, but put out um, recommended settings, which are a much better starting point. Um, if you want, yeah, you can go with SAG. On the forks, it's not too tricky. Uh, you can use SAG as a better tool for setup on rear shocks because you've got different lengths, different leverage ratios and so on there. On forks, no, it's not used as much. It can. It's a good starting point, but it's not the be-all end-all. Let's, let's get into that. You mentioned... Some recommended settings there. Can we can we start with Fox because I it sounds like they their recommended settings were quite different than yours. Yeah, they were. I mean, you guys have been testing bikes for a long time, and I'm pretty sure that 
you've got that setup procedure pretty dialed when a bike comes in out the box and you get it to a point where you can go out for a bike ride on it and that little setup includes a few bounces around on it be it in the car park in the workshop whatever and I aired up the Fox 38 to what they suggested which was 93 psi and bouncing on it even not on the bike it didn't feel right it 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 didn't feel in the ballpark that I know uh, how a fork should be feeling in terms of how much spring was in there. So yeah, they were, they have recommended settings on that and it's good. It's recommended pressures and also recommended rebounds. Um, so that takes away, if you will, two adjusters of guessing. Um, but I just didn't find it to be in the right ballpark. Those two settings that you mentioned, the rebound settings and your spring rate, obviously, of course, being tied together. Um, so how long did it take you to get your spring where you wanted it to be? And, and was that a difficult process? No, uh, in that instance, for that scenario, because I added it up to the recommended pressure, bounced on it, um, kind of chin scratched for a bit. I was like, okay, well, let's roughly start with 15% sag. I tend to err a bit firmer side of things, I will admit. But then in that case, yeah, I did use uh, sag measurement to try and get an idea of what pressure I should be up at. So it took, yeah, a lot longer in the workshop going around trying to figure that out. And then also when you took it on the trail as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And no, like my setup these days for the 38 isn't, well, to begin with, Dan definitely runs his stuff a little bit firmer than I do. He's also like just a tiny bit heavier, but um, it kind of goes to terrain. So my stuff, I would say it would for Dan would probably feel too soft. His would probably feel too stiff for me. But for my settings on the Fox, they've been a lot closer to what they recommend. Maybe within, say, you know, three to five psi above their recommended charts but i have noticed with the 38 you can go further above what they recommend without it feeling bad basically like i feel like the sweet spot on that you can go like with the zeb if you put a lot if you went way over what they recommend it really can start to feel harsh quicker than the 38 does if that makes sense like if i put 100 psi which is close to what dan was running in the 38 i could ride that and not feel horrible where if i went you know, 20 PSI over what I'm running in the Zeb, it would start feeling really uncomfortable for me. Does that yeah, I'd agree with that. You can definitely consider in the recommended settings overspring on the 38 and it doesn't have a real adverse effect as you think. You can put pretty firm springs in there. Yeah, and also just to point out, yeah, I think where we live in the Alps is quite steep. So there are loading on the bike is a little bit uh, different to say flatter terrain so we do tend to run a little bit firmer in the fork just for kind of some support when you've got um, hard braking at speed while you're in steeps as well so mm -hmm. all right and i think it's also good like since we're, while we're talking about this because we put up so many suspension reviews and, and oftentimes people will see someone else's settings and try to say that you're wrong but really it's what makes there there you know there are settings i could say would be totally Kazimer, off the i've ridden your bike your settings are wrong yeah yours are wrong too <laughs> yeah it's a fun thing to debate and argue but there's a range you know i think that we were talking to chris mandel the other day what was he calling it? your zone of happiness or something like that um where where it just works and it has to work for your riding style so there's no hard and fast rule of being oh you're wrong you should have it like this but there are good areas to try to aim for i think so right so dan i'm going to push back on you a little bit there you guys both said that you could overspring the 38, basically overpressurize it, go a little bit higher than recommended pressure, and the fork still performs uh, reasonably well, relatively well. But at the same time, in your review, you talk about the 38 providing more feedback, but not necessarily in a bad way. And I kind of want to unpackage that. 
you may, you know, some people might read that and they might say, well, the 38 is possibly more harsh. Is that what you were trying to say? Or what are you trying to say? Uh, no, I tried to definitely point out that that isn't harshness. Um, maybe one of the best things here was that uh, back in the days of like Moto, or still in the days of MotoGP GP racing, um, one of the things they talk about is getting the information at the contact patch up to the rider's brain in the best way possible. And I think it was more information. I was feeling a lot more what was going on. It's not a harsh feeling. It's not a negative feeling whatsoever. It's just you had more feeling of hits and impacts and not in a negative way that they would hurt your hands or stuff. You could feel them and you had that information of what was going on. And for me, that's a good thing. If you can, if you have that information to work with, if you have it there, you can, yeah, you've got something to work on. If you don't have that information, you're guessing when you ride or lean or push or whatever. So it was definitely not harshness, definitely not that. It was just more feedback, good feedback. Right. You like cars, right, Mike? So it's kind of the same thing there. It's like the, when you see reviewers test, uh, talking about cars and they, they can feel through the steering what's going on. It's that kind of feedback that we're kind of talking about, the feedback that gives you information to work with as a rider. Right. I, I do have plenty of experience with my mini. I could feel my mini understeering right off the road into a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> and then your del- <laughs> on the Delica, you could turn the steering wheel twice before it started to turn. So you've got both experiences. Right, <laughs> right. Dan, why do you think the Fox Fork performs that way compared to the Zeb? What is, what's providing that extra feedback? Whoa, now you're getting into it. Um, right. Whoa, that's tough. Um, and I think something I touched on in the comments is that I actually did try and organize some um, objective testing there with measuring the dampers and the springs and also the flex so maybe one day down the line we'll have some information that could give a proper informed objective answer on that but what i don't know uh fox has been doing this for a long time they really have and i think that shows in their forks um perhaps just at first thoughts it might be actually that one of the traits of the zeb is it's uses a bit of its travel a bit more of the time and perhaps that might dilute the riding experience and what you're feeling because you're concentrating on something else whereas the fox is a little calmer i want to say a bit more composed and perhaps that composure then allows you to feel and listen to that information that's coming back to you Mm -hmm. you do mention in the review that the zeb feels more active more supple you know if I was just if I was mountain biking for a year and reading that, I would assume that that means the Zeb is better. I mean, it moves more, right? For that, it absorbs I'd, more things. It's got to be better. <laughs> for anyone who thinks of that, I'd implore them to uh, turn all the rebound off and all the compression, and then go and ride a rough trail, and then come back and tell me what they think. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> There's reasons why we have damping in both compression and rebound, and so. No, activeness is is good to a point. I mean, it's even when we focus in on just a suspension fork, there's so many factors at, at play that all need to be balanced. And yeah, activeness is one of them. And when you have too much of it or too little of it, it can be detrimental to the ride. Right. So Dan, having ridden both the Zeb and the 38, you're pretty familiar with both of these air springs. Is there an air spring that you prefer? Or maybe you might say, does one of the air springs make more sense for a certain type of rider? 
Uh, well, it's tough again, picking, splitting hairs on air springs. Um, they both work pretty good. They're both adjustable via pressure, via volume tokens, so suit in different weights, different riding styles, if you will. It maybe could be broken down more to the flavor of the, how they feel in the Fox uh, and RockShox and all the other suspension manufacturers have a very signature feel to each of those brands. And so I tried to touch on that a little bit in the in the roundup that perhaps if you'd like to feel that your fork is working underneath you a little bit more and, and moving up and down and have that kind of reassurance from that, then perhaps the Z might be a bit more up your street. If you prefer, if you will, a more stuck to the ground feeling, um, something that's really working hard underneath you, but perhaps you don't know it and you're just left with good support and good traction, then perhaps something that might provide might be a bit better with the, the 38 there. Mm-hmm. Kaz, what was your takeaway with the, the two different air springs? Did you have a preference? Um, I think, yeah, for my riding style, I actually kind of prefer the way that the Fox feels. Um, I, I'm just a huge fan of traction. So especially that fork, and if I'm running a coil... Um, shock in the back. It just has that kind of stuck to the ground feel, especially now being wintertime and wet. Like that's kind of what I'm going for. But I don't think either one is going to hold you back in that regard. But if I had to pick, I think I'd go with that, the way that air spring feels. And the on the 38, or the, sorry, on the Zeb, it does have that feeling that it moves a little bit more. Maybe the initial off the top is a little more supportive, but then when you get deeper in the travel, it's kind of moving more, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, so that's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of the air spring difference there. And I did find it interesting. I think with the with the Zeb runs a little bit lower pressure. I think our pressures mine are in the mid fifties or higher fifties, and Dan's are somewhere in the seventy lower seventies. But uh, um, I had sixty two. Sixty two was the recommended, and then if I wanted to kind of up the amount of support and kind of calm that feeling of moving for its travel down a lot, I went up to seventy. Mm-hmm. So in the Zeb, I found it's it's a little more sensitive to even just a, a pound or two of pressure change, where the um, the thirty. 38 has a little bit more range there. And then I know in the Zeb, I think, damn, you and I both didn't run any volume spacers um, where I usually run one or two in the 38. You maybe run more than me in the 38. But um, yeah, so there's some differences in there, just how the setup goes. Okay, I gotta, I'm gonna stop you there. You didn't run any volume, neither of you ran any volume spacers inside the Zeb. Nope. Dan, especially you, you're riding in Champery. It's freaking vertical. All your trails are elevator shafts. Does that mean that the Zeb's air spring is maybe too progressive? Is that could that be the case? I think we were both running quite long travel forks. We I had the it arrived as a one eighty, but I also got the piston kits for one seventy and one sixty. And in especially that one eighty mode travel and the one seventy, um, it was suggested not to run any because you have so much travel, you are creating so much progression in the air spring from literally compressing it so far mm-hmm. so i i even tried two i chucked two in there as a, as a test because yeah i i was kind of like what i need to run zero okay uh threw two in and and yeah it works better with zero volume spaces in that uh the travel that it came you put more in there and instead of actually if you will ever bottoming it out hard metal on metal you actually run into like a wall of progression the force ramps up so hard that you you cut off some travel so no, it, it said zero for what we were running it at, and zero was best, I think. Yeah, yeah. with two, you'll never, it'd be so hard to run. I mean, two could be for like Rampage, because you're going to uh, not hit the end of the travel. I am a huge hucker, you know that. I, I probably know. need like six or seven in there. Probably just fill it all the way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> My spring is plastic. 
So when it comes to dampers, the Fox, the Grip 2, we're very familiar with it. Anybody who's read any of our suspension reviews over the years, we have talked about how much we love this thing. And the same goes with that Charger 2.1 damper and all the Charger dampers before it. Now, let's be honest here, guys. Neither damper is going to hold either of you back or probably anyone back. Is that correct? Very true. Uh, yeah, if you are blaming your damper for holding your riding back, you need to have a long, hard conversation with yourself. <laughs> right. But they are actually internally pretty different, aren't they, Dan? Yeah, very, very different. Um, the If we can probably start with the uh, Charger 2.1 damper, it is a sealed unit. So there is a, you can basically take it out and all the dampener is still going to be in there. Um, it's got a little expandable rubber um, membrane on there to account for when the shaft enters and the oil needs to go somewhere. Uh, it's pretty similar to what you find on a Lyric, on a, on a Pike and so on. Um, but yeah, the uh, Grip 2 damper now is, dare I say, even semi-open bath. So there is a portion of recirculation from the damping fluid into the lower legs. Um, why, why do they do that? Uh, probably many more reasons than I know, but one of them was to avoid the issues of when the sealed dampers would ingest the bath oil, so the lower leg oil, that would find its way into the dampers. They'd become pretty plump, um, overfilled with oil, and that would affect their performance. So by going to this kind of open bath-ish, semi-open bath um, architecture, they got rid of that problem and they meant that the lower legs were actually lubricated by a lot more oil, which is always good. Okay. Kaz, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What damper did you prefer of the two and why? That's so hard. I can make both feel really good. And right. it's like, I don't know if I, I think I like the grip two better. But to put it into words as to why, it's a little more difficult. And I don't feel like, I need to rephrase this correctly because it's hard. Like I, yeah, I can get either fork to feel really good. Um, yeah. That's sort of where I was going with this is we touched on it with the air springs is that you guys can tune the air springs to basically make them feel how you want to feel. And with these dampers, they have the dials. You can make them feel how you want them to feel. But on the trail, what I want to boil down here is on the trail, what does the performance difference feel like? <laughs> Dan, <Jesus. laughs> we need more words. We need some more adjectives in the dictionary words. to describe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, singling out it on the damper is hard, but I think yeah. one thing we could comment on is that both fork dampers and overall forks have been approached um, with different drivers in mind. So I definitely know that Rock Shocks does err on the side of less adjustments and trying to have someone find that happy window of operation perhaps a bit easier because they've got less complexity and less room for getting lost, if you will. Whereas Fox do err on the side of having more complex dampers, if you will, with more adjustments and so on. But that is one of their unique selling points in that direction. But I think... Is yeah. one... Oh, that's a hard question. I will say that it, I do... One thing I do like about the Zeb and the, and the kind of RockShox approach is that all the clicks tend to make a little bit bigger difference than they do on the Fox, I would say. You have... Um, so it's easier, you know, just one click can make a difference with the low speed or if, if the low speed's all the way on, all the way off, there's a more noticeable difference, I'd say, where the Fox, it can be almost vague. You know, you have to kind of go back and forth to really kind of suss out what you're feeling. So I do think for quicker setup and for more noticeable differences, uh, I'd go with RockShox for that just because of the way that 
the way those changes are made. Is that, does that concur with your experience, Dan? Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. The, each clip does have a more profound effect on the rock shots, be it in compression or rebound. Um, possibly because they've just divided maybe the window into less clicks. Like mm-hmm. on the high speed, for example, high speed compression on the Fox, there's supposedly seven clicks, and then on the Rock Shocks, there's four. So, yeah, it kind of, oh, yeah, it depends what you want to do. Trying to single out each individual component is hard as well because on its own, it's only one part of a bigger structure, and so it's it's kind of in the combination of the chassis plus the air spring plus the the damper is where you're going to feel the culmination of all the small differences. Yep. Yeah, and I don't think we've run into really any inherent issues with either damper. Like, there's not some feature of the charger or of the grip too. It's like, oh, avoid that. It does this. Both of them have performed well and and, uh, and work. Is one damper? Would you guys say that one damper is maybe more serviceable at home than the other? Is one fork easier to service? I think you need a few more parts for servicing rock. Or, or, sorry, servicing fox forks. Mm-hmm. A few more special tools. So. Um, but, you know, really, if you're getting into the full-on damper rebuild, you're probably going to need some special tools. You for that need the special way, hammer and the special saw for that. Yeah, exactly, special like that. But, yeah, I would say that as far as overall damper serviceability, you probably don't need as many special tools to fully, fully pull apart the charger okay. damper. So if you guys thought I was putting you on the spot before, well, now we're really going to get into it. Dan, where does the 38 feel better than the Zeb? And where does the Zeb feel better than the 38? In your opinion, God damn, you have thought about these questions. Uh, what hard? Um, for me, the thirty-eight feels better than the Zeb in situations where you've got rough chop and that's like um, high frequency repeated hits that vary in their size, so big hits, little hits, and and stuff like that. It it maintains a touch more composure. So the further into them, you, it, the initial hits, and then the further into those rough sections, if you will, that you get, there's just a touch more overall composure and a touch more calmness to the 38, while still having good supportiveness and good suppleness, even though, like I mentioned, it did feel like it rode a touch lower overall. Where the Zeb would feel better than the... Whoa, that's a tough one. I think with the Zeb, it's almost... It, we kind of talked about how it maybe r- rides a little bit higher. I think when you get on some of those flowier, maybe a more machine-made jump trail or something where you're high speeds but not super rough, but where you're kind of popping off jumps, I think the Zeb's overall feel and support gives it a little more like a sporty feel, if that is a good way to describe it. That so might I be a good that, word for it, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little sportier, maybe a little more energetic because it does have that little bit more movement. So, um yeah, if somebody that just wants a bike, they're kind of making their bike try to feel poppy and lively. That Zeb could be a, that could be the deciding factor, possibly. It's pretty hard to try and think in your head of like a trail and like, okay, I'd want to ride the fork, one fork here, but then swap and ride the other fork here. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like yeah. you can make all these forks ride everything. Like if yeah. you're not riding a trail because you're like, oh, I have a Zeb, I can't ride that, or I have a 38, I can't ride that. Again, you're doing it wrong. But <laughs> yeah, if you will, it's it's we're really down in like subtle traits between the two that we're talking about the differences it's 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 not night and day difference between the two you can make both work and work well and it's really the subtle differences between them okay and we did you know there's the weight to consider which i don't think you can necessarily feel is the, there though Kaz? is a hundred yeah, and something grams almost a half a pound at this I think level 
Yeah, I think it's something you can consider. You know, if you're, I'm not a spreadsheet person, but I do know there's some people that make spreadsheets for all their just buying decisions. And I think that weight's a factor to consider. And 184 pounds, or sorry, yeah, pounds would be huge, but 184 grams is a, it's not nothing. And it adds up over time if you're trying to make your bike a little bit lighter. Again, it's not the end of the world because we're talking about, you know, bigger, burlier bikes. Um, so that shouldn't be your only reason for going for one, but yeah. it's something, it's a point in the Zeb's uh, favor, I'd say. Dan, at the end of your review, you picked the Zeb over the 38. Why did you, why, why do you lean that way over the Fox Fork? Yeah, I stuck my neck out and I went with the Zeb. And it's, again, you were talking about weight there. And weight for a lot of people is a very easy comparable thing. It's very easy to single that one thing out and compare it because it's a number. It's quite factual. But it is one factor in many. And for me, I picked the Zeb because I could just get it out the box, fit it, air it up to what they suggested and I could ride pretty damn hard and pretty damn happy exactly like that and for me that counted for a lot and while yes I do say that the Fox's performance in terms of its composure its suppleness and supportiveness that mix is a Nats whisker ahead of the Zep all things considered so weight price which is another metric that a lot of people can relate to and that ability to get in its happy window with such ease that really counted for a lot and that's why the zeb nudged it ahead for me all right kaz zeb or 38 hmm. i have the editorial i'm not gonna let you head. sit on the fence here kaz i'm not gonna sit on the fence i'm gonna i'm gonna think about it and i'm gonna pick which i prefer um Again, Jeopardy it, music right now. I know I do, do, I do Jeopardy do, so much. Do, do, do. Yeah, it's my favorite show in the whole world. But um, for me, I'm going to go with 38. I think it because it would depend though. Because if I was on a budget, obviously I would tend to go with that Zeb. But if I just took for the way the performance goes and the, the fork whose feel I've been enjoying the most lately, having gone back and forth, um, I have that 38 on that cabins now, and I just like the way that it feels, uh, particularly in the the rougher slipperier terrain so that's gonna be my pick again if i had a 38 i would have no complaints either so it's hard it is hard to pick one and say this is the one it's it's not so stark anymore you know things have gotten really good but for me um right now i'm going with the 38 yeah i just like this isn't like absolute black and white like some people kind of take the verdicts as that but it's like we said it we're really in like minutia so in saying that for me, overall, with all the factors, I'd go with a 30, uh, sorry, with the Zeb. That doesn't mean that I hate the 38. It is a fantastic fork. It, it really is a top-notch fork, and it offers some different unique selling points to the Zeb. So it really is down to the individual person, actually, on the other end of the screen, reading all this or listening to it, that um, they've got to take this information and make that decision based on their scenario, their price point their request and suspension feel and stuff yeah and one one point we didn't really mention that i kind of want to touch on a little bit is the you start to see some people commenting that oh you don't need 38 mil stanchions this is just for people showing off like it's gonna be too stiff too harsh personally i haven't experienced any harshness and i'm you know 160 pounds on a good day um and so i don't have you experienced anything dan that made you think that this was the wrong way to go for forks not at all like so like over recent years we've seen like guys here ditch their downhill bikes and try and ride everything on one kind of enduro bike and so over here it makes perfect sense to have such a, a burly fork up front if you will and 
I haven't had one hint of the feeling that all oh, these forks are too stiff. And that is going back again to a 36 and going back to a Lyric and going to downhill forks as well. They're both, they're both very well matched. And actually, I feel like they have a bit more of a, a direct feel through the, the really rough stuff. There's less, um, just kind of throw it through. You kind of have to worry a bit less. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of funny that these days almost you're starting to see the 36 and that level of fork, which that used to be the free ride fork, you know, your big burly fork. Now it's showing up kind of on trail bikes. And I'm a big fan of that. Like riding 140, yeah, Levy's putting trail bike in, in air quotes. But, you know, like a 140, uh, 36 feels great and it doesn't feel too stiff or out of place these days. Just the way everything has kind of gotten more capable as a whole. So it makes sense that there would be these burlier forks in the Zeb and 38 category. Um, and then everything kind of trickles down. So, on the whole, I think it just makes you have a more you know, direct experience. Your bike can handle more terrain. You can go faster, have a better ride. So I think it's a win. I've I've got a general question for you guys. You've both ridden lots of downhill forks. These things are obviously, they're not downhill forks, but they're made for some pretty rowdy riding. How does the chassis feel compared to a boxer or a 40? For me, it's definitely a little step up again when you go from these forks to a boxer or 40 in that sort of directness and feeling when you kind of really load it or throw it through some pretty chunky terrain that's trying to deflect you left right and center there there is more directness to the feeling of them in terms of the directness of your where your front wheel's pointing versus where your bars are pointing as well it's not that day again but it's noticeable it's definitely noticeable yeah, it's not, you know, these aren't dual crown stiffness, but they are enough that let you get away with most things. But, you know, if you really are focused on downhill riding and you know, that type of thing, the dual crown is still going to be the, the stiffer, more probably, uh, yeah, direct way to go. So I got a couple more tech questions here for you guys before we close this up. Dan, in your review, you talk about the 38 feeling like it rides a bit lower in its travel. You say that it almost felt like you needed a little bit higher bar height when using the 38. Uh, why do you think that was? Uh, yeah, for sure. The, that was one of the character feelings of the 38. And interestingly, I haven't had that character feeling on 36s I've been riding, which is strange. But anyway, um, no, it, it it might lead on to the idea of the difference when I've been trying to talk about um, support versus the ride height. You can have support at many different ride heights and at many different points in your stroke so where it came from it seems to be it might be something to do with the air spring design perhaps and uh, the ratios of the chambers in there and the transfer ports that where they're um, allowing the different chambers to bring their support into the stroke so from what i understand it might be coming from the air spring um but yeah that it just gave the feeling like your bars were like one spacer too low and that's even with riding them. I had forks the the ones um, the thirty eight always stuck at one seventy mil, and I ran the the Zeb at one eighty mil and one seventy mil. So that's even with riding them exactly the same travels and stuff. It just felt the the Zeb was more up there, and we like a high high bar height out here. Um, and the thirty eight it just rode a bit lower all round. But for riding lower, it still had good support, which is a different character trait to the the average ride height, if you will. Yeah, it's almost like it uses that first 10 millimeters a little more easily than the Zeb does. So that's kind of where you're kind of getting that sitting down a little bit lower. But then as you go deeper in the travel, there's, that's where kind of the support is the most important as you go to the middle of the stroke and the end. So yeah, it's just that initial, I found the same thing, that initial kind of 10 mils on the 38. It's a little, 
use, goes through that a little quicker than compared to the Zeb. All right, everybody. So that is it. That is your Fox 38 versus RockShox Zeb deep dive with Dan Roberts and Mike Casimir. If you didn't hear your question answered, put it in the comments below this podcast, and hopefully one of them will come in and answer that question for you. Let us know in the comments as well. What do you prefer? If you've ridden a 38 and a Zeb, tell us what you prefer and why. 